How many of you would say that it's true about you that you've wanted to do something, accomplish something, change something, become something more in, in your life, but you found yourself getting distracted? Anybody? Anybody? You wanted more and you made every good intention to, to, to achieve that, whatever that thing was, but you just got distracted. Hands go up all over the place, right? Because this is universal to all of us. And I hope that this series has been real for you. We talked about a man named Nehemiah. Remember Nehemiah? Nehemiah was a great man with great dreams. And God uh, had so much for this man. But this man, Nehemiah, had to fight a world of distractions. He, he fought opportunities. Remember this? He fought opportunities. How many of you have had to fight opportunities where literally there are just so many things vying for your attention? You know where you want to go. You know where you're supposed to head. But there are just too many opportunities fighting for your attention. Anybody? You know exactly what I'm talking about. He, he, Nehemiah had to fight this idea of criticism. That there are these negative voices that are just kind of gnawing at you and holding you back. You know where you're supposed to go, but there are these negative voices. Anybody ever had to battle the weight of negative voices in your life? Anybody? You know exactly what we're talking about. I have. I have. I can tell you that right now. Fear is another thing that we have to fight. It's a huge distraction. It keeps us from becoming all that God wants us to become. So we talked about these external distractions, and we talked about the external noise of our world. Remember this week where we talked about how the world is like this barrage of sound coming at us. It's like this wall of sound, and it drowns out the spirit. It drowns out the voice of God. And somehow, in some way, you and I, we have to figure out how to silence the world just a little bit and just long enough to hear the voice of God. We started to get our minds around this idea of asking God to speak to us. We actually quoted something from the scripture that says, Speak, O God, for your child is, is listening. Your child is listening. Somehow, in some way, you and I have to fight these distractions if we're ever going to hear from God. And last week, we turned it from these external noises to the internal noises that we fight. That, that, that sometimes God seems quiet, that he's nowhere around. And it's sort of hard to follow God if he seems distant. It's sort of hard to get your mind around and your focus on God when he seems nowhere to be found. And it's just true that we live in this world of distractions. Anybody with me? Y'all agree with this? That we live in this world of distractions and somehow, if we're gonna grow our soul, then, then we need to fight these distractions. And we need to figure out how to win over these distractions. And so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to go deep into a passage of scripture and, and we're going to talk about how God wants us to become good dirt. Good dirt. Y'all ready to become good dirt? We're going to talk about it. Let's begin with a word of prayer and ask God to speak to us today. So Father God, we come before you and very simply put, we ask you to make us good dirt. Make us into good dirt, God. Speak, oh God. Speak, oh God, into this room tonight. No matter where we come from, no matter the doubts, no matter the struggles, no matter uh, what's up or what's down in our life, we pray, God, tonight, speak, for your child is listening. In Jesus' name we say, amen. So would you agree that if you want to achieve anything, would you agree that if you want to accomplish anything, to become anything great in this world, it requires a tremendous amount of focus? Anybody? 
You know what I'm talking about, right? It requires us to be focused. Now, I, I consider myself to be a pretty focused person, at least in some areas of my life. Like, one of the areas I think I'm fairly focused in is, is, is leading our little church here. Um, this is important to me, and I'm, I'm dialed into leading our, our little church here. But I got to let you in on a little thing called church life. It is amazing how many people tell you how to do church life. Everybody in church life has an opinion about everything, right? And it's like, hey, it must be nice to be the boss. And I'm like, I'm not the boss. I got 2,000 bosses. Are you kidding me? Right? Because everybody has an opinion about everything. Maybe you've seen the little bumper sticker that goes, um, God loves you, and everybody else has a great plan for your life. Right? It's a little twist, right? Everybody else has a wonderful plan for your wife, life. And, and it's true. Life, not for your wife. That would not be good. That's probably true as well. Uh, but we have to. Man, erase that from the tape, shall you? Okay. My goodness. What's that church teaching over there? Wow. But I think most of us would agree that we have to figure out how to stay focused if we're going to accomplish anything great with our lives. Anything at all. We've got to figure this thing out. Now, I love ancient history. Some of you know that about me. I, I love to read it. I like to watch these old, weird documentaries about it. Um, I'm just fascinated with the whole thing. And, and what amazes me, one of the parts of history that's so fascinating to me is the Middle Ages. Now, our European friends uh, back in the uh, Middle Ages, they, they figured out incredibly inventive ways to torture people. I don't know if you're aware of this. They don't just torture us with soccer. Back in the day, they tortured us with other <laughs> methods, right? Uh, now it's just soccer. But, but back in the day, in the Middle Ages, they had these incredibly barbaric, sadistic, but absolutely brilliant forms of human torture. And one of the most heinous forms of, of human torture was, was, um, was this idea that they would take a human being and they would spread a human being out on the ground, X-style, with all limbs extended, and then they would tie a rope to each limb and tie the other end of that rope to a horse. And then they would literally pull the person apart. You ever heard the expression, I'm going to tear you apart limb by limb? That's where it comes from. Now, I actually have a, a picture of this. I, I just want to show you. Now, this isn't the gruesome version of this. Um, I couldn't quite go where I wanted to go. But, uh, uh, but this will give you an idea. I want you to think about how barbaric this really would be. To, to literally tie a human being to four different horses and then to pull them apart. Now, the French actually had a name for this. They called it death by distraction. Death by distraction. And, and so here's what I'd like to do. I, I'd like to talk a little bit about death by distraction, but not this kind of distraction. Because my guess is, is that there are some of us who are dying the same sort of a death, that our soul is being torn apart, that we're being ripped apart, and it's because we feel pulled in a million different directions all the time. Anybody in the room want to say amen? That just seems to be the storyboard of our life, that there's all of these things vying for us, pulling at us, tearing apart our soul. And so if you've got a Bible, here's what I'd like for you to do. Find Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, and we're just going to kind of cruise through this. So if you have a smartphone, an iPad, or a Bible of some sort, find it. I think it would serve you well if you tracked with me in your own text. That would be an awesome, awesome thing. And we're going to talk about this idea of distraction and some of the stuff 
that wants to distract our soul. And so, I don't know about you. Um, anybody in the room easily distracted? I asked that earlier. I, I'm not so easily distracted. Nice shirt, by the way. Um, no. It's true. I think almost every single one of us can die this death that we can become way less than we ought to become, that we can measure way less than we ought to measure with our life simply because we are pulled in so many directions. We live in this age of multitasking, don't we? I mean, you think about what is just at our fingertips. It doesn't stop. I mean, most of us with our thumbs, we go around the world every single day. Matter of fact, we go around the world multiple times a day every single day. It is nonstop. We have all the knowledge in the entire world at our fingertips. We have, for some in this room, all of your work life is in your fingertips, and you can never leave it behind. And there's always something pulling at you, right? Do you even realize how, how many things come into your life that never become something great because you were so distracted that you didn't even realize that it came into your life? Come on. Do you realize the potential of things that have come your way that you have simply missed because you were so distracted and so busy that you didn't even notice what came your way. You missed it because your thumbs were distracted, because your heart, your mind was distracted. My wife says 10 times a day, Jeremy, are you really here or are you somewhere else? Anybody? Are you here or are you somewhere else? Because I'm here, but I'm somewhere else. And, and so you think about this, we, we come to church and we say, God, would you bless us? Would you bless us? Would you bless us? But we're so distracted that we can never focus in on the blesser. We, we, we want what he could give us, but we never sit still long enough so that we can dial in to the very heart of God, the one who wants to bring and who has already brought blessing into your life. We often miss what God has already brought into our life because we are so distracted in a million different ways. Jesus said this one time, very, very famous. Jesus said this. He says, the thief, there, there is a thief who wants to take something from your life. The thief, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come so that you might have life and have life to the full. And, and here's the amazing thing. For most of us, destruction, the kind of death that Christ is talking about here, does not come by the end of a gunpoint. It doesn't come, destruction does not come by what we often see. Destruction comes through simple distraction. Destruction comes because we are being torn apart in a million different directions, a million different times a day. Tell somebody, sit next to you, that the distractions are killing you. Go ahead, tell them right now. The distractions are killing you. It's killing your mind. Let me tell you something. It's killing your mind. It's killing your focus. It's killing your family. It's killing your health. It's killing your finances. It's killing your joy. It's killing your peace. It's killing your marriage. It's killing your friendships. It's killing your single life. It is killing your ministry. It is killing your opportunities. It is killing what might be and could be and should be in your life. Somebody needs to say amen. Amen. Amen, Because it is taking us away from what could be in our life. It's death through distraction, death by distraction. Is, is it just me or somebody else feel like you're being pulled apart? All the time, you're being pulled apart, even when I'm preaching sometimes. I'm like t- so dialed into what I'm doing, I'm like fully engaged into what I'm doing, but I mean like I am pouring out my soul and sometimes I'm just completely distracted right in the moment and you guys don't even realize it because I'm good at what I do. 
But oh, I'm up here and I'm like pouring my soul out and I'm like going, why is that guy leaving? Doesn't he know that I have 10 more minutes left? I'm going to go right now and figure out what that guy is doing because what's going on in here is really, really, really important. And I'm like preaching my heart out and I'm like going, why are they late? Don't they know we started a half hour ago? I mean, come on, I'm already preaching and they're just getting in the room. What is going on here? And why doesn't that woman have more clothes on? Right? You don't think I can see, but I'm looking down at you all. Right? Or why did that guy just spill coffee and pretend he didn't? Right? I see what's going on. I see what's going on. Distraction. It's everywhere. Listen, it is tough to stay focused in a world of distractions. Listen, it is tough to parent in a world of distractions. It is tough to be pure in a world of distraction. It is tough to get our health right in a world of distractions. It is tough to get our marriages right in a world of distraction. It is tough to get our friendships right in a world of distraction. It is tough to get our soul right, to serve right, to put God first, to pray, to seek that thing which is important in our life in a world of distraction, is it not? It is incredibly difficult to stay focused. And and what we do is this, we go, well, if I could just have like 90 minutes, I could get like the whole world accomplished. Right? I could fix the whole world if I just got 90 minutes. Don't you wish like the, the world had like a do not disturb button kind of like on your cell phone? Right? Just do not disturb. I wish that my kids had a do not disturb button right there. I'd be like, don't disturb. I need 90 minutes. 90 minutes. And I could fix the world. Death by distraction. Look at Matthew chapter 13. We're going to dive deep into the scripture because Jesus tells us how difficult it is to stay focused. And how easy it is to become distracted. To let the important things just slip away. Just slip away. And friends, we can't let that happen. You with me? We just can't. We can't let it happen. So here's what he says. We're going to start at the very first verse. It says, the same day, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Now, I'm already distracted by this verse because I want to know what happened else during the day, right? Because he makes it a point to start us off by going, well, that same day. So there must have been something else important happened that same day. And so what do I do? I go back to chapter 12 and I try to figure out what the same day had going on, right? And, And so it's very interesting. Go back to verse 46 and you will see that Jesus is teaching this huge crowd of people and they're all crowding in around him and he is just pouring his heart on, out to people and his family, his mother and his brothers, they come to visit him. And I'm gonna pick it up at verse 47. This is what it says. So there's this large crowd. Jesus is pouring out his heart but his family is there. And so this must have been like an important deal because we're told specifically like the mom is trying to cut in line. The mom is trying to use her like, you know, momness to get to the front. Right? And so something must have been important going on. But look what it says. Verse 47. Very interesting to me. Someone told him. So one of the guys, one of the 12, one of the important people must have said, hey, Big J, your mom's here. What do you want me to do? And listen what happens. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Verse 48. He replied to them. Listen to this. He replied to them. Well, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, well, here are my mothers and here are my brothers. Verse 50, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Now, this is very interesting to me because not only was Jesus unwilling to be distracted by his enemies, he was unwilling to even let his own mother distract him. Hmm. 
Now, if you're a teenager, I would not advise trying this at home, right? <laughs> hey, your mother wants you. Who is my mother? I'll tell you who your mother is. She's the one who pays your electric bill and wipes your butt. That's who your mother is. You get over and say, well, I don't want to be distracted from my will of my father, right? I would not advise trying that at home, right? You go to your mama. But, 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 but Jesus had to fight the same type of distractions you and I have to fight. Think about that. Same things. Family life, work life, people, stuff. Just keeps coming, doesn't it? And somehow he modeled, he was the example of what it meant to focus, what it meant to dial into something, to understand the will of God in his life and to run after that, to keep the important things the important things, to not be so easily distracted. Check this out. Um, Verse two, it says this. Remember, he's standing by the lake at this point and such a large crowd gathered around him again that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And then Jesus tells them these things in parables. Remember the idea of a parable? Parable is what? Parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's an earthly story that carries eternal weight to it. It has a moral to it. It has a a richness to it that outlasts this lifetime. It's it's not just a story. It is a a story that carries heavenly heavenly consequences, eternal consequences with it. And so Jesus is telling them these stories, and then he says this. So this is one of the stories. He says, now there's a farmer who went out to sow his seed, to plant his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, now pause for a second there. You can see this. I I love the image that this creates. He's scattering the seed, and sometimes in life, doesn't it feel like life is just scattered for you? You're trying to like get things in a little row. Anybody ever do a garden? You try to get the things in a little row? But things are growing up everywhere, Right? And so this farmer is out there scattering the seed. But here's what happens. Life hits us, and all of our neatly arranged rows, they seem to go crazy. All of the plans of man seem to fall apart, don't they? And that's just how life is. And so Jesus is painting this picture for us. Um, It's something I'm guessing most of us feel like at one time or another. So it says, as he was scattering the seed, he describes where the seed falls. He says, some of the uh, seed fell along the path, and the birds came and they ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil there was shallow, right? Uh, but when the sun came up, and the, plant, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they did not have root, or they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up, and they choked out the plants. Still others fell on good soil, right? Good soil, where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears... Let them hear. Whoever is focused enough to hear something from God, he says, this is your opportunity. Hear this. Don't miss this. Turn off Facebook for a moment. Hear. Don't get distracted. Hear, he says. He who has ears, let him hear. Now let's skip down to to, to verse 18. It's very interesting. Um, very, very interesting. He gives the kind of the uh, small school tutoring sessions, like the after school tutoring, right? So now the great crowd's gone and he's got his closest followers and they begin to ask him questions. What did all this mean? What did all this mean? What did all this mean? And so he's going to cue them in on what was meant by this parable. It's a great opportunity for us to hear the inside track because it's recorded for us. This is what Jesus was teaching his closest followers. Verse 18, it says this. Uh, Listen then, to what the parable of the sower means. 
verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, uh, what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The, the, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with great joy. But since they have no root, they're not deep, right? That lasts only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes their way because of the world, they quickly fall away. Verse 22, the seed falling among the thorn refers to someone who hears the word. Listen, but worries of this life, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, it chokes out the word, making it unfruitful. Verse 23, but the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times that which was sown. Now, growing up, I've heard this parable taught many, many times, and usually... It's taught with this understanding that, that there are four different types of soils, right? Four different types. You, you, you all saw that there, right? He, he lists four different types of soils. And, and what's, what's often been taught, at least what I've heard over and over, is that this represents four different types of people. Am I right? You think about this. It represents four different types of people. So people would say that the first type of soil that fell on the path, it's like, it's like the ones who hear it, and it doesn't even register, that they hear it even over and over and over. Maybe you've tried to bring someone to church and you go, boy, if they just would hear this message. And then they heard this message and you go, wow, that message was great. And that was for them. And they walk out and they go, I, 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 it was okay. It was okay. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Right? And, and it doesn't take. It just kind of blows away. And it doesn't ever register with them, right? And then there's a second type of person that we often think of. And, and this is the person that jumps in with both feet. They get baptized. They, they come and, and they like hear the message and they receive it with great joy. And it's like they're, there's something in their spirit. You've seen this, right? Where they just come alive. It's like they explode onto the scene and they're like everywhere in the church. It's like they're brand new to our church, but you see them like everywhere. These are the people who go to the bookstore and they load up on all the latest Christian books and all the latest Christian CDs. And they're like, I love this, you know, and they're in the front row and they're, you know, the whole deal. Like they're just totally, totally into it. And then a week later you go, where did so-and-so go? Well, what so-and-so? Well, that, 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 that lady who's always right down front, she's everywhere. I haven't seen her like in three weeks. Well, Jesus said there's this type of person apparently who, who receives it with great joy, but as soon as it becomes a little tough, they fall. They fall away. And then he talks about this, apparently this third type of person, right, who is just consumed with the things of this world. And, and, and let, me, let me tell you what I think Jesus is kind of getting at a little bit here. And what we often think about is this idea that, that, um, that there are these people who can love God. And maybe this is a whole bunch of us in this room. We can love God. There's a part of our soul that loves God. But there's another part of our soul that loves this world. And the part of the soul that loves the world is beginning to choke out the part that loves God because we care far too much about what the world thinks of us than what God thinks of us. And we care far, much, far too much about the things of this world than the things of God. And the things of this world eventually begin to what? Choke us. Choke us. It begins to choke the life of Christ right out of our soul. Anybody ever experienced this? I bet you have. 
I bet you have. And then the fourth person, obviously, is the, is the one that, that Jesus says is the person who hears the word, does the word, receives the word, and grows in the word, and they produce fruit. They produce a harvest, 160 and 30-fold. And most of us go, that's me. I'm good dirt. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm good dirt. Come on, say, I'm good dirt, right? Because that's where most of us want to live. That's where most of us think that we are. But, but I'm not so sure... As I got to think about this, I'm not so sure that that is exactly what Jesus was saying. Could it be, I'm just asking, is it possible maybe that each and every day, each and every one of us are all four different types of soils? Is it possible? Is it possible for a Sunday at 9 a.m. when you're here in this little church and you're like all dialed in and you're like taking it in, could it possibly be that you're that, that soil that's good soil, that good dirt, where it's producing a hundredfold and you want it? But then by the time noon happens, you're, you're like that soil that fell on the path and it just kind of gets picked away and it kind of blows away and it doesn't go anywhere. You had every intention for it to, but it didn't. And then by three o'clock in the afternoon, you were loving God this morning. You were like, But by three o'clock in the afternoon, there's some things in this world that you love more. And it's choking the life right out of you. Is it possible, friends, that maybe Jesus was teaching something different than we often assume of this passage? That maybe that each and every single day, that every single one of us are one type of soil or another, and it changes even moment by moment in, in our lives. And maybe, friends, maybe, Jesus was trying to teach us, to implore us, to make sure some way, somehow, we got to get this right. He was saying, you better be good dirt. You got to make sure that you are good dirt. Because listen, friends, Jesus was not talking about dirt at all. Am I right? He was talking about not dirt. He's talking about the human heart. He's talking about the receptivity of a human soul. To hear from God, to listen to God, to respond to God. And the human heart. As you well know, it moves. It constantly moves. The human soul constantly moves. And he says, you and I, you and I, we better fight this because there is nothing in this world that wants to point you to God. Everything in this world takes you away. You better not get distracted. You better work on being good dirt. You got to have a heart full of good dirt. And so the first thing, is we're going to walk through this a little bit. We're going to try to unpack this a little bit. I think the very, very first thing that we got to recognize is the seed itself. What is the seed? Because the farmer, he's out there sowing seed everywhere. Woo, woo, woo. Who's the farmer? God. And what's the seed? It's the message of the kingdom of God. It's the message of the kingdom of God. And the message of the kingdom of God was that you and I were lost. You and I have a soul that's wayward. You and I have a soul that is broken before God. And the message of the kingdom of God is that God loves us and that God cares about us so much that he reaches into our life, that he, that he brings the kingdom of God to us and he will not leave us like we are, that he loves us so much that he will leverage all of who he is to get all of our attention. He loves us enough to try to bring us real life and full life, not the kind of life that this world has, but a different kind of life. The message of the kingdom of God is that through Jesus Christ, through his life, his death, and his resurrection, that we can have a real relationship with God. That's the seed. That's the seed. 
The seed is, is the word of God that, that ought to be our great treasure in life. It ought to be the great pearl that we hold on to with everything that we are. I think we need to start with the seed. That God is throwing the seed into your life. What kind of soil are you going to be to receive to receive the seed? And so Jesus begins to speak about the seed falling along the path and it falls in different, different areas of life. And, and, and you may want to write this first one down because he says there's something that happens, right? There's, there's something that occurs in our life and he says, snatched. He says there's a group of people when that seed lands, you're going, whoa, I like this. This is cool. I can handle this. But it's like snatched from you before you can even take notes in church. Right? It's, it's taken from you before you can even look up the verse. That it's snatched. That you have every, every intention of like going, oh, this is good, but it is snatched from you. It is snatched from you. It is taken from you. It is snatched from you. That's what he says, Right? Now, I'm a loser. I got to admit this. I am a big time loser. I lose everything. Seriously. And it seems like the older I get, like my very thoughts are snatched from my head because I wake up like almost every day. I kid you not. You can ask my family. I say to myself, I am finally going to get organized. I am going to remember where I put things. I'm going to put this here and I'm going to put that there and I make a plan and I sometimes even write, write the plan down. But it blows my mind. I can never remember to actually do the plan. I mean, I have every intention to do the plan, but I, just, I really don't. There have been times, kid you not, true story, that I have been calling my wife. And I'm saying, honey, I have no idea. I lost my cell phone in this stupid building. It's 60,000 square feet, and I have been everywhere in this world. I don't even know. And my wife goes, it's a true story. Whose phone are you calling me from? My phone. <laughs> Snatched. Right? It is snatched away from me. Your thoughts are snatched. You have the best of intentions, but it is snatched. It says a farmer went out and scattered seed, but it was snatched. And I'm going to tell you something, friends. All up in your life this week, there is a farmer who is God, who is sowing the seed, which is the word of God in your life, the kingdom of God in your life, the message of God in your life, and it was snatched from you. Friends, do you realize the opportunities that were given to you this week? Do you realize the responsibilities that were assigned to you, the moments that were created for you, that he spoke to you, that he called you, that he led you? And and friends, listen, it was snatched from us because oftentimes we do not respond. There were times that he led you to become something more where you could have gone, where you could have moved, but you didn't because it was what? It was snatched from you. There were times that you could have helped somebody, ministered to somebody, blessed somebody else. There were times that you could have grown in some way, taken your next step in some way. There there were times that, that there was this word that was planted in you that could have caused a major difference in your life, but you let it get away because you were distracted. You allowed it. You allowed the enemy of God to distract you and to snatch it from you. And God's saying, here I am. I'm just shoveling it into your life. I'm trying to bless you. I'm trying to lead you. I'm trying to call you. But it's snatched because, listen, we are so easily distracted. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That you have felt God wanting to move you, God wanting to bless you, God wanting to change you, to grow you, to become something different, but you just don't even know where it goes, but it goes. It's like you had it there, but it just goes away. The crazy thing about snatching seeds is that you only see a seed when it's a tiny, itty-bitty seed. 
Because oftentimes it goes away. And we never, ever, we never, ever get to really hear or see what it was, what it was supposed to become. We only see the acorn, but we never see the mighty oak tree. Because it's snatched from us far too early. Jesus says that there are these birds of the air, and if you let them, they will snatch, they will snatch, they will snatch the moments of your life. They, they will, they, you will trade the moments that are from God that really matter for moments that do not matter. And friends, this is true of me, right? Instead of engaging in the world I'm supposed to be engaging in, I'm somewhere else. And instead of engaging with, with, my, with my family and with my friends and the people that I love most in this world, I'm engaging with people who I only know via the internet. I'm engaging with things that I could care really little about, and I end up missing what is really most important, friends. And what just happened right there? Like, I'm sitting with my family, but I'm elsewhere. What just happened? Boom, snatched. Dinner with the family is snatched. Oh, I ate. I ate. but I didn't experience what God wanted me to experience. It just, what happens is the important gets snatched for the unimportant. Uh, something that maybe you were supposed to talk about with your teenager. I mean, they're going through life, they're trying to figure out life, and there is just a brokenness of soul in them, and you're supposed to have this conversation, and you think to yourself, I gotta go talk to him, I gotta go talk to her, I gotta make this happen, I gotta make sure I prioritize this. Snatched. It's gone. What happened, friends? You exchanged something Unimportant for something that really is important, something that didn't really matter that much for something that really mattered. Or maybe your little guy comes up to you and he just wants to snuggle. He just wants to know that, that he's still the number one priority for you, that he still outranks everything else in your life. And you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, God, oh yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. What just happened, friends? Snatched. The important was snatched for something unimportant. I'm, I'm convinced, friend, uh, uh, that I, I'm not just preaching to, to you. I'm preaching to me. I am convicted by this. I'm preaching from the battle that rages in my own soul because I'm fighting these birds, right, that, that, that are flying around in my mind, just snatching opportunities, snatching potential for my life, sna- snatching moments of greatness. I'm fighting this in my own mind. I'm fighting this in my own soul. I'm not just preaching at you. This is my battle. Here's what's going to happen when some of us leave church today. Before you can even leave the parking lot, before you can even leave the parking lot, the enemy's going to come and snatch that which was planted in you today. Here's what's going to happen. Because somebody out in front of Hooters, is going to, who you just worship God with, is going to cut you off, and it's going to make you mad. And you're going to be distracted, and it's going to be snatched, gone. And then you're going to look over and you're going to actually see Hooters and now you're thinking about different things altogether and you're going to be snatched, gone. And that's before you even leave the stupid parking lot. It happens, doesn't it, friends? It takes about that long for our soul to get distracted. Um, You you know what the devil would absolutely hate if we did this in our little church? The devil would actually hate, he would hate it if, if today, whoever you came to church with, uh, maybe, or, or your life group later in the week, if you would have a full-blown conversation about the message. That would really tick the devil off. You get in your car and say, so hey, honey, what do you think about the message today? Like, really, let's, let's talk about this. Let's go deep into this. This is why we can't seem to take our next steps with God. Because, it's not because the word isn't good. Oh, no, 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 the word's good. Because it's God's word. Amen? 
Because it's God's word, not my word. It's God's word. And the word is good, but we somehow allow it to be snatched, to let these distractions take us away. And so what do you think if, if, if we were to try this whole deal, instead of going like, oh, that was good, that was some good junk right there, honey, where do you want to go to eat? Instead of going, wow, that was some good stuff right there, honey, what do we got going on today? What do the kids got going on? What do we got to do? What do I got to get done? Do we have to mow the lawn table? What is that, what's their schedule like? Would you get me up to speed real quick? What if we did those things a little bit later and we just, let's say for four weeks, just for four weeks, this would change our church, this would change your life, this would change your family, I guarantee it. With your kids, with your life group, with somebody in your life who goes to the same church, if you just turn to them and say, hey, what did you think of that? What was God, listen, listen, what was God trying to speak into your life this week? Could you imagine? Could you imagine what would start to grow inside of us if we did it that way? I feel like I'm fighting angry birds all the time, right? They're flying around and they're just trying to take it, take it, take it. Uh, And I know what's going to happen. That we'll have the best of intentions to change. But we'll be a hard path. And we'll go back to being the same old, same old, same old. And friends, we've got to fight that. We've got to somehow figure out how to till the soil of our life to bring the good dirt to the surface so they can grow all that God wants us to grow. Oh, gee whiz, I gotta hurry. Um, Okay. One more, I'm gonna cover one more part of this verse real quick. See, here's what Jesus says next. He says, you may wanna write this down, number two. He says, there's scorched, like like something's planted and it's scorched, it's taken away, it, it, it burns up. And here's, here's what he says in verse five. Remember this? It says, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no, say this, no root. The problem with a whole bunch of us in this room right now is that we are living shallow lives. Busy, busy, but shallow. Busy, but barren. Busy, but no depth. And that, friends, that's just got to change. Like, you, you think about this, like, uh, we, we, we get all kinds of, like, uh, textbook messages answered, but they're superficial, right? We're like LOL emoticon. Like, as if we're really engaging in that moment. Uh, we, 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 we get so busy that we found out like, that our friend who we haven't seen in 10 years that we went to high school with, uh, we found out what they're eating for lunch, but we don't know who our kids are hanging out with. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Or maybe should I? Because it's true, right? It's, it's true. You, you see, I'm actually preaching out of what I'm fighting in my own soul. You, you, you realize that, right? There's distractions for all of us. And, and what I'm seeing in my own life is that I'm distracted by shallow things instead of deep things. I'm, shallow, I'm, I'm, I'm distracted by superficial things rather than rooted things in life. Roots represent commitment. Roots represent depth. It represents what you're really anchored to, what, what, you're, what you're tied to, what, uh, what you're passionate about. So many, so many of us are unrooted, and this is why we're easily distracted, because we have no guiding sense of principles. We have no guiding sense of priorities. We have no guiding sense of morality. We have no guiding sense to make our decisions in our life, and we're just blown around. And we're scorched. When things get hard, when things get tough, Our faith, listen, our faith burns up 
And some of us, like you think about how this works in our life, some of us have been saying like for five years, for ten years, oh, I got to get healthy. But there's no root in your life, which means there's no commitment in your life. You're not committed to making it a reality. Oh, I got to get healthy. And it's been the same thing for 10 years. It's like, it's like, for any reason at all, like if somebody's having a birthday in your office, you eat the cupcake, right? Joe in finance is having a birthday. You don't even know Joe in finance. You've never met Joe in finance. You could care less about Joe in finance, but you're eating a cupcake and you're starting to diet tomorrow, right? That is just how it is. It's the same thing in money. We go, I got to get this right with my money. I got to change something with my money. I can't live like this. I'm in debt all the time. I got to fix something. Oh, that is so cute. 50 bucks gone. 50 bucks gone right there, right? And listen, it's, it's, not, it's not health. It's not, it's not money. I'm talking about the soul. How easily we have things that take it from us, that scorch it, that burn it up when it, when it becomes tough, tough in our life. And, and friends, listen, this, this whole idea, there, there are people in this room, and I'm not... I, okay, I'm not talking about you because you're here today. Let's talk about the people who aren't here today, okay? There, there are people, you would not believe how easy it is for people to skip church. Well, I think little Johnny is potentially, got us, he's sick, he's, got, he's sick. I mean, when he was outside playing with the other four kids from the neighborhood up in the treehouse, I think I heard him cough. We can't go to church, right? I'm like, What? That's crazy. He might be sick. And, and so you, you would just be so surprised at how little it takes for people to miss church. Why? No root. I want to go, but I miss church. I want to grow. I miss church. There's no root. There is no root. There is no root. There is no root. You're not going to grow unless you plant something deeper in your life. Now, I don't understand this because you can clap because nobody will know that you missed last week or the last six weeks, and you can just clap and say amen like you own that seat where you're sitting right now, right? Because this is true of a whole bunch of us, and I'm sorry, I like, and like, I know people right now are going, honey, we got to find a different church because this guy's yelling at us. I get all that, and, but I just feel like I got to say this because I think this is what the scripture is teaching us, that somehow we've got to figure out how to put uh, roots down. This is, this is for the folks like, who at like one hour before church are talking to their kids and going, hey, hey, do you, want, do you want to go to church today? Why are you asking a 13-year-old where they want to go anywhere? Like when did the 13-year-old start to occupy the corner office in your house? When did the 13-year-old start to lead your home? Mom? Dad? Who did God put in charge? The 13-year-old? Or you? You want to go to church. Why is that conversation even possible in most of our homes? Why are we looking at each other going, are we going this weekend? I don't know. I mean, what, we got to, what else we got to do? Why is this even possible? Why are we even having these conversations? You know, uh, Pastor, I got little Bobby in, uh, in Travel League soccer. Ooh, really? And, you know, I got to get him around and all the team stuff going on. It's like really crazy busy. And can I tell you something about Bobby? Your Bobby, your little boy Bobby, he's awesome. Your little boy Bobby's amazing in a whole bunch of ways. But I'm just going to be honest with you. Your little boy Bobby... He's not the next Paleo or whatever that guy's name. He's not the next Beckham. He's not going to go pro. I'm sorry. He's just not. There's like 550 pro players in the world. There's 6.2 billion people. He's not going to go pro. 
Sorry, you're like, I know some coach told you when you were like, when he was like nine, like he had all kinds of potentials. I, I get all that. And, and like, but he's probably not even going to play high school soccer. This is true. He, he's probably not going to go to college playing soccer. He's probably not going to get a full ride playing soccer. I know my mom dreamed I would have a baseball ride and it didn't happen. The whole deal. It's just not going to happen. But here's what happened is that uh, Bobby is that we've taught Bobby that, that he can be rooted everywhere else but the house of God. That he, you can put your roots down uh, everywhere else but the house of God. But friends, let me tell you something. You better teach little Bobby boy that, that there is more to life than soccer. You better teach boy Bobby that, 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 that there is something way more important than another fishing trip, another trip to the lake, another weekend in the country, another trip away, that somehow or another we got to teach Bobby that there are a list of priorities and, and functions in our life where God is somehow first in our lives. You better get that boy rooted. You better get that girl rooted. You better get your family rooted. You better get your single life rooted. You better get rooted. And you better get Bobby rooted. And you better get Janie rooted. And whatever your kid's name is, you better get them rooted in something more and something that will last for all of their life. It's just true. And friends, listen, you better give your kid a set of values. You better give your kid something deep, a set of morality, a set of guidelines to live by in a way that they can make good decisions for their life. It's going to be a heck of a lot more important than another travel soccer league. Listen, listen. Oh, what's wrong with soccer, Jay? You've been knocking on soccer. You've been cracking on soccer all night. I'm not even talking about soccer. I'm talking about the little seeds that are put into our life where God says, I want to bless you and I want more for your life, but something scorches it because it was never planted deep enough in their lives. Listen, what we need to do, what I need to do for my kids is to say, this is how we do it as a family. This is how we do it. This is how we serve. This is how we put God first. This is how we give. This is how we are rooted in our family. This is how we talk to adults. This is how we love one another. This is how we show respect to our parents. This is how this family does it because we are rooted. We are rooted. And you better figure out a way to get it rooted. And so we wonder, friends, we wonder why Bobby is now 30 years old living in your basement for the third time. Been through two marriages already. He's got a couple kids from baby mama. I'm just saying, listen, he's addicted. And he's struggling to get anywhere in life. And friends, this isn't like a one-time phenomenon. This happens to a whole bunch of very good families. And why is it? It's because we have taught little Bobby that everything else was more important than the community of God. That everything else was more important than the house of God. That everything else was more important than God's word. That everything else was more important than serving and submitting to the people of God. What did we expect? What do we expect 30 years later? Nuts, I am really out of time. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to divide this into two parts. We're going to come back next week. Unless you're distracted, okay? (laughs) Okay, unless you're distracted. Listen, I know, like, some of you are, like, already looking online for another church. I get it. I get it. Uh, Very encouraging weekend message, honey. Let's go somewhere else. Uh, Listen, I don't want to beat anybody up. That's not my point. 
My point is to convey the same message that Jesus conveyed. That we are so easily distracted and we let everything take us off of our A game, the important game, the game that really matters in our life. Let's be good dirt. Let's grow. All right, let's, let's pray and we'll get out of here. Father, we thank you uh, for a night together like this. Thank you where you allow us to open your word. And I pray that your spirit would speak to every single one of us. And God, that every single person in this room would not feel in any way, shape, or form that I'm trying to beat them down. I don't want anybody to feel that. God, I want people to feel encouraged and motivated and challenged to somehow be rooted deeply in you. To not let the enemy snatch what you have placed in our life. To not let the hardness of this life scorch that which you have placed into our life. Speak, oh God, for your child is listening. Amen.